You're listening to World Building for Masochists. And we're wondering why we do this to ourselves. Because world building totally counts as working on writing, and that means I have been productive today. Gold star. <laughs> I'm Cass Morris. I'm Rowena Miller. I'm Marsha Ryan Moreska, and this is episode 37. Names are hard. <laughs> <laughs> You totally just copped out on that one. <laughs> We're keeping it. We're keeping it. <laughs> I mean, I think I think it's on point. Like, you know, if you're when you're doing like all sorts of, you know, radical world, you're doing the deep dive world building. Sometimes for your names, you're just like name and I'll placeholder. Put it in brackets and figure it out later. You know, this is Sir Bracket. I, I use I use the word penguin. <laughs> Good. That's my placeholder word. <laughs> so I just search penguin so I catch all of them. See, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in using the brackets because then you can search the bracket and I'll be like, bracket, name of thing, bracket, title, bracket. But then, but I'm also the kind of person who, like, I, I have the bad habit of being unable to actually do that because, like, my brain will then be like, no, what is it? What is it? <laughs> you, you, you can't. You can't just leave it undefined like that. You have to figure it out. So then, like, so for the current work in progress is involves one character in a completely different culture, which is a very cosmopolitan city. So there's a lot of different conlang things in play. So I literally have five different conlang things that are like open at any given time for me to like be like, so, okay, what's what am I going to make the name of this thing? Like. And I will stop everything to figure that out because I am a fucking lunatic. <laughs> These are the things that keep you awake staring at your ceiling they, at night. They mm. really do. They really do. Hi, friends. We're here in this <laughs> We're back again. Back on our bullshit. <laughs> this is what it's like inside of our brain. And welcome. Welcome inside. <laughs> and we're sorry. But we're not. One thing that I wanted to mention in our announcements time, because I am a bad person and I forgot the past couple weeks to bring this up, is that former co-host um, Alex Rowland has a book out, came out October 20th, um, called Finding Fairies. And it's a delight. It is such a fun little book. I had the good fortune to get to read an early copy of this. And it's a fun like field guide to imps and spirits and sprites um in an urban environment so it's not like your folklore fairies though it is but it's got like a modern urban twist so um do go pick that up and inject some joy into your 2020 because it is <laughs> it's a delight i had such fun with it it's one of those books i've been passing around to people like you need to read this it's fun have a fun time we all need some joy and fun because yes we do right now when we're recording this we're uh we're so little ways away from the election being over but when you're listening to this it will have happened so <laughs> totally different things will be happening in our minds now as is in your mind right now listening it could go either way it's it's i mean we're saying either way like there's two options there are <laughs> myriad options i have the options 17. are legion there's at least 17 <laughs> paths on my chart of chaos of what could happen. It's oh, let's true. raise a glass to future <laughs> us. Future Good us. Luck. Good luck, future us. Hope you're still there. <laughs> yep. If you're hearing this, the world hasn't ended yet, but it might be on the way. Oh, hell, I'm going to have to cue this like on election night, aren't I? <laughs> you are. No. That'll be interesting. So, so, friends, we realize that our, our spate, <laughs> with our spate of guest stars and our fabulous panel that we had and everything else, we have not spent some time just live world building in a while. So we wanted to spend some catch up um, getting to the stuff that we haven't haven't fit into our world um, that we've been building from all these episodes. 
um, that we've had in the past few weeks. So we wanted to spend some time playing, which seems appropriate for this uncertain moment in history. <laughs> we will, we will our escape can handle into today. another world <laughs> and um, worry about its problems for a while. It's a delightful thing to do right now because because yeah. <laughs> we can imagine things being not bad. Well, plus, we keep just like we keep enjoying our conversations with our guests so much that the episodes run long, and then we often get their world building, but we just haven't had the time to to insert our own because we're having two good conversations, which is great. But yes, and we do so love our guest stars, and like giant shout out to them for spending an hour or more of nerdery with us. I think that that's one of my favorite parts of doing this is that I get to have hilarious, fun, insightful conversations with so many awesome people. Unfortunately, I didn't get to talk to Zareto when she was here. Um, I was off that night, um, but I kind of wanted to hit up a little world building on what y'all talked about um, with home and interiors and domestic spaces, because we talked about with our cities, with the architecture might kind of veer toward um, way back when, early on. Um, but we didn't talk about what the inside of spaces might look like for our three little corners of our world. You're right. We didn't. <laughs> we did not. Marshall, do you want to like remind us what your little corner was and, and what it kind of looks like and embodies? So my little corner... We, we, we named it Griasto, which is a wonderful thing that I've been reminded of because I forgot that. <laughs> I've just been calling it Snail Lick Island in my head, so. I mean, well, I, like I, this... I think in whatever conlang that is, Griasto, in fact, means Snail Lick Island. <laughs> well, there's the larger culture all around it, and then there's like the one island off the because it is like this whole like lovely coastal area, and then there's small islands off of it. I mean, it's very... It's very Mediterranean. It's very Grecian. It's very, you know, it's so, and it's lovely and beautiful. And there is the island with just the, with the, with the trippy snails that, that you lick and go crazy for. And I mean, they're a very like extroverted mercantile culture who love to go out in the world just to trade things with people and have people come to them so they can trade things with them and be like, look how beautiful our beaches are. Look how beautiful our city is. Look how awesome we are. And you're awesome too. Let's be awesome together. Like that's their whole vibe is basically Barney from How I Met Your Mother of like, we're awesome. <laughs> be awesome with us. <laughs> and have a snail. Have a snail. <laughs> snail up. <laughs> now picturing an entire like snail themed playbook and we're just gonna leave that alone for a while we're just gonna put a pin uh, in that in that in that i feel like there's a Can't, whole I... there is a whole thing here though like you've got a whole sitcom for your your island now i think i think so i think if if you're if your if your island had a genre it might be sitcom oh it would so be sitcom it would be sitcom <laughs> Or like one of those wacky play of manners where like mm, everyone's going yes. in and out of doors and people end up in their underwear and that kind of play. Oh, <laughs> like my that's... favorite yes. kind of play. I love yes. those. Love it. <laughs> awesome. All right. Mine, I, I had not named when we last discussed it, but I've come up with one since. I had named the city, but not the overall culture. Um, and I am calling it Fjallanir. Ooh. Because it is rather Scandinavian and Dutch flavored. It is a river delta area that I've sort of described as um, a thousand miles long and two miles wide for most of it. But there is a delta that fans out more and has some port cities. Um, they're big on fishing and ice and paper production. And they're very industrious. They, they also enjoy their trade. But it's not so much because they think everyone's awesome, but because they're like, there are things. We want them. You should have ours. Trade things. <laughs> Very organized, um, very big on their paperwork, and occasional flooding issues because of that river. I love that they're love very it. into paperwork. Like, I love a culture that just sort of embraces its bureaucracy. It's just like, this is how we do things, and 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 that can be a lot of that can be a lot of fun to play with. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just lost my train of thought, and then it and he made a face, I think, I, and it was because I, like, I thought of something that was a total non sequitur, and I was like, "I'll bring that up," and I'm like, "Then the other part of my brain went, that is a total non sequitur, Marshall. Don't bring that up.'" <laughs> I think of it like the uh, that was the, the whole Dyson journey. Culture. Like we just want things to work properly. Mm -hmm. 
like just it needs to, it needs to work properly. It's, and that it's involves an, this it, paperwork. It's a culture dominated by Virgos. Like just do the thing, <laughs> do it right, and everyone will be happy if you just listen to the way you're supposed to do it. It's not hard. Just come on, y'all. Just do the There's thing. Just... This is the um, form. You fill it out, and <laughs> it's fine. I'm I just thinking about it because, like, they make paper and they love their paperwork. So I bet they have like highly specialized types of paper that you use for certain things. And there's probably all kinds of social faux pas around using like the wrong shade or weight of paper for the wrong form. Oh, absolutely. And there yeah. are watermarks, mm -hmm. and there Ooh, are oh, I love watermarks. <laughs> I love old school watermarks on things. Love it. And like making papers like like an a trade but also an art. It is, yes. <laughs> One of my first jobs was actually um, working in a handmade paper studio. So I like made handmade paper, which is a messy and smelly job, by the way. But yeah. um, but also also beautiful in its own way. I I just imagine there being a whole correlation between like paper quality and class. So that, like, if you actually just, like, hand a piece of paper that's too low of a quality to somebody who's upper class, you're done. You, <laughs> Everyone's, like, judging each other by, like, like documents. Like, they're feeling them. Like, oh. Well, the oh, quality of the paper. Is like, like a, and your penmanship. The bond weight on this is very low. <laughs> I think the paper for this was harvested in the, oh, in that province. <laughs> Really? <laughs> Just from the feel of it? Yeah. Paper snobs. So gosh. <laughs> oh, you wrote with you wrote with this ink. That was a that was an interesting choice. They're they're the font snobs of our <laughs> world, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So my little corner was an archipelago because we love an archipelago. We love an archipelago. Um, in a not quite totally tropical, but but um, kind of subtropic region. Um, and we called it um, El Mont Lear, which um, in their language meant the concert of states because each island is its own little like kind of principality self-governing situation, but they all kind of band together against any outsiders. Um, they, their, their trade and industry is based a lot on not only um, outside trade because they're islands and have lots of boats, um, but also a plantation system. They grow luxury goods like spices and fancy wood and, and really nice cotton and stuff like that. And, and birds migrate there because I like bird migrations. So I was like, Definitely there's bird migrations because it's an island. So there's islands and birds. And yeah, that's what I got. Excellent. Excellent. So if we can dive into, if I was coming over to have, to have dinner or tea or hang out at your houses in your little corners, like what would I walk into? What would it look like? Well, because we have some, some flooding issues in Fjallanir, you would probably have to go up to get into the house. There's some stilts happening, houses built up from the ground, because they've learned their lessons about, about flooding. So you'll have to walk up to get into these houses. I like it. Which I'll put a pin in that and come back to it when we get to our disability question later on, because I haven't figured out the answer to that yet, but I will. But I like that you're thinking about it. I'm, I'm there. So like... I'm, I'm going for it. <laughs> what, what kind of, what kind of like interior design are they using? Are, like, are they like... Are they like very um, stoic? Everything is kind of cold and whatever. Or are their homes like a contrast to that really industrial, industrious outlook that it's like homey and cozy and? Yeah, well, I think that's like you hit the key point there with the words. The difference between industrious and industrial. And so I actually feel like their their furniture might have lots of like scroll work and stuff and little details that are all very handwork intensive because that shows skill and it shows craft. I like it. I'm imagining yeah. Dutch doors because I like Dutch doors. Um, and I said they were vaguely Dutch inspired. So like, sure, why not those? Why not? Yeah. And, and it's a colder climate, so they won't have as big of, they, their windows won't be as big. So they have lots of wall space. So they might be doing something interesting with the walls. Oh, I did say I had like magic paint in this world. So maybe that fits into the walls somehow. Maybe they've got murals that have, I don't know, protective runes or something. Or just warming like spells. To keep it to keep it cozy inside. That's true. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I I think the the use of casual magic for for 
just making like making things more amenable to, to, to live in. I, I like that a lot, especially given the way we have magic work being more tied to elements and the earth rather than to people that mm -hmm. that those aspects of how magic works in the world, I think, is a is a useful thing worldwide. I also feel like for for this culture, magic wouldn't be a flashy thing. It would be useful. Yeah. Like, yeah. Not show off. Yeah. Serves a purpose. It's, but what are things like over over on Snail Lake Island? What do, what do those houses look like? And so, I, I definitely think the houses there have a very like sort of open plan, like a lot of big windows and breeziness to it, and a lot of. I think a big thing is no room is explicitly like this room is for sleeping. This room is for eating or anything like it's just like, here's a bunch of rooms and the use you are getting out of it is the use you feel like getting out of it right now. And there's a lot of like, I think in their culture, there is a lot of sense of like, you know, switch it around however you can, whenever you feel like it. So there is that sort of sense of, I want to say transience of like, hey, you know, we felt, we all felt like sleeping out here in the central room today because it's, you know, because it was a hot night and it's cooler out here. Or like, you know, we were eating back here today because that's just what we feel like doing. And I think, I think they embrace that idea of just doing whatever feels right in the moment rather than having a set concept. And so... And I think, like, on terms of, like, a design level, I think, like, furniture and walls and stuff are really simple. Like, there's not a lot of, like, design or intricacy, but they go very bright with color. Like, they'll, like, it'll be a very, like, basic wooden chair, but painted, like, bright orange. And the walls will be bright yellow and things like that. So that, so that while there's not... They, they don't make a big deal about necessarily craftsmanship, but they do want everything to just pop and be exciting. It sounds very, like, communal in a lot of ways, Marshall, the way that you describe the way that they live, that you have these rooms that don't really have set purposes. So you're kind of living together in a way. Am I getting that right? Yeah, I think so. I think I think they are big on, on like, the extended family, found family kind of concept and the idea of, like, oh, you're just staying, you know, you just came here and stayed here for a week and we just met you yesterday. Like that's, that's not an uncommon thing. Like the idea of, I, I think as a culture, the idea of this person who was a total stranger is now fully embraced in our life. And then a week later they're gone. And that was cool. Like, I think that is a very common thing for them. I like that. And I like how then like the space embraces that by not yeah. having like, the guest bedroom and it's filled right now but like eh, we're sleeping out here today yeah <laughs> cool there's space there's space for anybody i also like I how like that it. would like because your people are sort of a party people it would circumvent the problem that anyone who has thrown a house party has had which is that you know no matter where you intend for people to be everyone's up, ends up congregating in the kitchen but yeah <laughs> if the rooms have no specific purpose then you cut down on that issue and I I, like I I do think though like the because that seems to be like that's like the one room of any household that tends like you it needs because specific you need, stuff <laughs> it needs specific stuff so I think that is tends to be a feature is that first like central entrance place is also the food preparation place just because like that's whenever you walk in that's what and i think they're also they're a, because they're a culture of mind they are a foodie culture of course so the idea of when you walk into anybody's into anybody's home they're gonna be like hey you you want to eat something like it's right there like there's no it, a kitchen vestibule i like that idea <laughs> i like it well then it like spills into every other part of the house so like mm -hmm. that whole congregating in the kitchen thing it's like it's very natural that you'd start there and then kind of like Take your plate and or wherever and kind of come back to it or, you know. Yeah. The idea of sitting down for a meal together is very weird to them, I think. Mm. Okay. So there's no dining room. There's just places that we end up eating. Yeah. <laughs> and I think as a culture, like, they don't have designated, like, this is the meal and the meal time and what you're supposed to eat for this meal. Because they're just like, are you hungry? I'm hungry. Let's eat something. 
or I was hungry. I ate something. Are you hungry? Go ahead. Eat something. Like there is no, there is no sense of like, that's a communal act as so much as perpetual college students. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) To an extent. Yeah. So that's what I got there. I like it. All right. So since I said that my, my people were kind of, it it wasn't the hottest area of the tropics, but we're in kind of a, a near tropic to temperate environment i think i am going to have relatively like like lots of open doors and piazzas and outdoor spaces so that people can take advantage of like cooling off when it's hot Um, but there's also indoor space because i imagine an island situation like that's going to have potential like rainy season storms so they are able to shut themselves in in case of inclement weather one thing we had talked about i think with architecture is um the idea of building up versus building out and I think since these folks are in a kind of hot environment you don't want to build up because it gets too hot so they build out and so like the wealthy people here are very wealthy and so they build out into like these kind of like compoundy sort of um like villa kind of kind of homes and people who have less money are still building out and tend to build around like a central courtyard so they still have outdoor space that they can utilize and they all have sleeping porches because i love sleeping porches sleeping porches are cool they're very cool makes sense in the tropics that's you know logical (laughs) yeah i have a friend with an old house in san antonio that doesn't have central air so he every summer is just sleeping out on the porch because that's what you gotta do yeah, my old my old house that we that we used to have, my office was the sleeping porch. So I have a fondness for sleeping porches. <laughs> well, if that's what we look like when we're cozy and at home, what do we look like <laughs> when we go to war? What are the martial traditions in our worlds? Um, based off of our conversation that we had with Mike Underwood. And yes, delightful. And thank you, Mike, for yes. for bringing such great insights to us. Huh, I'm going to huh. go for low hanging fruit and say that my people are all about the navy because well, yeah. they're <laughs> islands, so yeah. their tradition is a very naval one, and they have a very strong navy. And I would say I'm guessing that the line between like private, like ship activity and martial ship activity is very thin. That you probably have a lot of privateering when they go to war. Everyone kind of goes to war, um, but yeah, I think big big naval tradition for my my archipelago. One of the things that I mean, I was somewhat thinking about is how, like, we've kind of designed this world to, to be a very, shall we say, asshole light kind of w- world. <laughs> <laughs> Like it is, it is not a grim, dark world where where it's like we're you know, we're gonna go to war today, just like we've done every day for all of our lives. <laughs> like it's, I mean, we've kind of tried to make that a point here. Um, so I, I'm trying to imagine like what the martial tradition is in with with my culture. Who, dude, I I feel like y- y'all make alliances and like other people take care of you. Yeah, like... I think so. <laughs> I think so. I think they're very good. Everyone, everyone's like, oh, no, don't pick on Griasta. Like, they're cool, man. Don't screw with them. Well, they're like, very good. the last time someone declared war on the Bahamas? Like, <laughs> They're very good at, at at diplomacy. And they're like, when like a war is starting, they're like, okay, you want to have a war? Let's let's chill. Let's talk it out. You want, you want you know, some of let's, what's let's, in... Let's talk about it, guys. You're like a snail. Let's just all calm down. Let's all calm down. Have a snail or two. Have a snail. (laughs) Want some neat? Like, okay, you guys, you you want you know some of what we've got in our minds? You know, yeah, we'll trade that. Like, like it's not gonna, it's not a big deal, man. We can, like, we don't have to. I I think that's legitimate though, because (laughs) there's always been, I think, places that derived a lot of their influence and power not from a strong military but from the ability to serve as negotiators and diplomats and kind of the 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 middlemen smoothing things out between ruffled feathers that are ready to draw swords on each other like i think to some degree there is a degree of like martial tradition in terms of just the pure like beauty of physicality and the showmanship like they probably have like a whole set of 
martial arts that are just like cool flippy things that look neat and like will do things like like exhibition fights and stuff like that because that's fun to watch but like in terms of like oh we have to actually organize for a war they'd be in they'd be in a lot of trouble if it actually came to that so they work really hard for it to not come to that (laughs) but but i think i think they have like a deep like a deep history and culture of like avoiding war by doing like a spectacle fight instead and be like, let's just have your best guy and our best guy just do, do a spectacle fight. And then whoever wins that, th- that that's the war. That's who won. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I can totally see too. I mean, we've built a lot around the concept of trade and economics and having, you know, things people want. And so you're trading for them. And so there's value in that too. So I can see trade partners being something that, takes the place of martial action sometimes like oh oh you want to you want to screw with griasta well we're not going to trade with you anymore if you do that oh right okay well well we're backing off now because <laughs> we want your paper so okay so i think that there's that to play with too yeah sanctions can be big in this world that could be the uh-huh. the big threat but but i think they're also big on like proxy things for like oh you've got beef then we're going to like play a game of basketball and whoever wins, you know, <laughs> like that's, that's their, that's their method of conflict resolution. When like people are like, no, we have to get physical with our conflict resolution. Then they'll be like, Oh, okay. Well then we'll, we'll, we'll play a spirited game of something. And then, and then we'll, we'll, and then we'll work it all out, all of our aggression that way. And it'll be fine. <laughs> and you know, if that doesn't work, my nation's going to come in and blockade the harbors. So (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Got that in the back pocket. Pick your poison. Um, How how about your folks, Cass? For for Fjolnir, I was thinking that I think there might be sort of a history that's more martial than they are right now. Not like with other people, because the way they're structured, like there's not that much probably near them. But I think an upriver downriver conflict might be in their past, in their history. And so I was thinking about, like, ways to fight on river boats, on, like, flatter bottom boats, lots of, like, poles and halberds and things you can jab across an, an expanse of water being sort of part of their military traditions. But in the more modern age, I think they're probably a lot more defensive. They might do a lot with crossbows, um, especially since their buildings are all, like, stilted up and stuff. It's like, I'm going to sit here with my crossbow and take my time and pick you off slowly. Excellent. <laughs> And then I also had the idea, because they are sort of a tundra and, and colder culture, of um, fighting on ice skates, which is something that is now becoming an art form rather than a war form. But it began as um, fights on ice. I love it. I haven't thought extensively about this that. I was just like, ice skate fights, that sounds excellent. You know, I don't, I don't feel the need to probe any deeper than that and just, like, <laughs> run with it. Like, yes, yes, I accept this as it is. I love it. I love... I love the idea that there could be like a specific martial art of ice skate fighting Mm -hmm. because you've got (laughs) blades on your feet. So (laughs) I don't don't think I need to go any further. (laughs) I love it. They did the Bankanko twist. Oh my God. But I was thinking about that conversation we had about, know where that line starts to blur when we start turning warfare into entertainment and fitness and things like that and i was like i feel like my people are are, they might not be all the way to there yet there might be still some old guys who are like you need to know this in case the bear people attack um but everyone's like okay grandpa i just think this looks cool so i'm gonna do it (laughs) i think we're in that period of transition into becoming more art than than actual fighting i like it so I feel like I feel like I wouldn't want to mess with any of our nations because they're I'm all they're all very of getting shanked by an ice skate now. Um, well, so... all of our nations seem to be very like I'm not going to start a fight, but I will fucking finish it. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have to invent an asshole nation. Like sooner or later, we're well... going to have to designate some corner of the globe to be those jackasses. <laughs> this continent are the jerks, and that's just. <laughs> All right, so 
another episode that we did that was was just us, but we still didn't get a chance to get around to um, we talk poking things into, <laughs> into um, we just forgot. We still didn't get a chance to to world build live was Faces of Life and thinking about different elements of of the circle of life, as we called it. Um, so my question, what is what does childhood look like? in in your little corner children have responsibilities (laughs) (laughs) they have to be prepared for life and so i feel like education but also like vocation are probably both really important and they're expected to know their life's work pretty early which is not a, a tack i necessarily as myself as a human agree with but I can see it being the interesting point of conflict. Like, oh, I thought I wanted to be an illustrious paper maker, but it turns out I want to be an ice skate fighter. <laughs> Is it too late for me to pursue my dream? Um, yeah. <laughs> but also, like you, have, you have to learn how to fill out forms and, and you know, do that with the proper penmanship and choose the right ink for the right stuff. Like, that requires proper education. And so, therefore, I would think that they would... They would need that to, to... like. Do they do they have formal education? I think they must. Yes, at least up to a certain point. Probably probably up to the I don't know age of twelve or so before vocation I'm becomes more important. Kind of envisioning like something akin to the crotchety old nun with a ruler in typing class, but it's for penmanship. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining. Okay, I don't know if y'all did this in in elementary school. It was fourth or fifth grade for me I think when they taught us how to write checks and like we had this mini segment in and Marshall and Rowena are making faces which indicates to me that this is not a normal component of education time out taught you how to write checks like yeah like like money checks yes like money checks no this was not not a thing I learned in any (laughs) academic setting whatsoever maybe maybe this is a virginia thing i don't know okay (laughs) explore that more later but we did this thing where like we were given we were given money in the form of i think it was like popsicle sticks or something and for like the three weeks running up to like a fair we got sticks for good behavior and they were taken away for bad behavior and things like that and then there was like a school fair with things you could buy but you had to write a check for it based on the amount of popsicle sticks you had Anyway, I feel like this is the kind of training that the youth of Yolanir get in their in their dame schools. <laughs> yeah, no, fourth fourth grade was like agriculture and like soybeans and cornfields up up here in Indiana. So no, check writing in Jamestown is what we got in Virginia. That's what you got in fourth grade. I like it. Though. Any Virginian listening is nodding right now, saying, "Yeah, that was it. Check writing in Jamestown. That was all I learned that year." the popsicle year popsicle stick year i'm gonna have to confess that fourth grade is a blur for me <laughs> sorry i mean were you in texas then no no i was in oh, okay New York. Like, they so... even teach things in texas <laughs> i mean in any given year the idea of we learned about the erie canal was you know <laughs> probably true but being... <laughs> But, like, I don't know if that was specifically fourth grade or not, but, like, that's a good guess any given year. (laughs) Yeah, fourth grade is a blur. Second grade I remember very well, but fourth grade is a blur. Because my second grade teacher was, she was that teacher. You know, Mm. y'all had had that teacher for my second grade. (laughs) But let's see. So, what's childhood like? So, if, uh... Yeah, I mean, I'm guessing, Marshall, that that the kids are not invited to to lick the snails. <laughs> yeah, there's. So, what does childhood look like? <laughs> there's definitely like the culture definitely draws a hard line of like what age you are like you can lick the snails and have sex mm-hmm. and do some some other things, like when you can and when you can't, and once you cross that line go wild but once you lick a snail there's no going back (laughs) and like but like i don't think they yeah i don't think they necessarily make a big say rite of passage thing about that so much as like you know when you're ready and you know (laughs) (laughs) it's a moment of inner peace really realizing that you're ready (laughs) to lick a snail that when when you know you're ready 
you you're ready but they 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 are a very sort of open like hey you'll know when you're ready and it'll be cool like don't worry about it <laughs> like they, i consider being very low pressure yeah it's a low pressure very very like open-minded thing of like hey when you want to do these adult things you'll know and that's cool and they but like in terms of childhood it's like i think i think they definitely do a more sort of like communal childhood thing like you know who your parents are but it's not like a big deal of like like there there's like every i want to say neighborhood but so like has sort of just it's not so much a school but there will be people who will be like talking about like hey do you want to know about how numbers work i'll tell you but like there's no <laughs> there there is no formality to it so much it's just like hey you want to learn this stuff and we're here for you like you want to read some cool shit i've got some cool shit for you to read oh you need to learn how to read i'll help you with that but it's very oh, i wish i is, could teach it is <laughs> and i think there are like physical like centers of these places where like hey this is where you go when you're a kid just because that's the place you go but like but it doesn't have that sense of like rigidity to it it's just so it's sort of like child care and education and like just where you hang out are all sort of just rolled into one it's very montessori i was about to say it's like a discovery zone <laughs> that's actually a discovery yeah. zone zone you actually discover things and you're in the zone yeah <laughs> groovy man groovy <laughs> i'm so hippie commune with this place <laughs> i'm seeing that yeah. i'm picturing just naked we were... children running everywhere just oh yeah <laughs> Clothing optional, we, just running we're, around. We're kind of veering that direction, and we we went fully there tonight. And I'm glad that we did. I'm glad <laughs> Make we, strong glad choices. we committed fully. So I think I had actually talked about childhood in Almont Lear a little bit already, that children are kind of, like, very valued, and it's kind of like, um, like I, I hadn't quite worked out if, like, at some point... Um, maybe there's an endemic disease that a lot of kids don't make it or fertility was a real problem for these people, but they, they really like highly value children and invest a lot in them. Um, so childhood is like kind of this weird, like it's, it's a special set aside time, which throughout a lot of history, like really wasn't that way, but there's also a lot of pressure. Like we're expecting a lot out of you cause you're the only one, or we only have a couple of you and we really expect that you're going to like take on the family business. Or you're going to do important things or, or whatnot. Um, so it's, it's kind of a strange balance of, of valuing, but also, like putting a lot on children. The children are our future, but really step up kids. So it feels like um, they're very protected, but also very high pressure environment. Yeah. Yeah. So I think formal schooling is definitely a thing um, for, for everybody. Um, so there's, there's like a public education system through a certain age, not all the way through. Um, Cause at some point people, are going to be getting into their trade or their vocation or whatever. Um, but they do value having time set aside that you're going to school. And like, that's kind of like, that's your job. And that's kind of their, their version of this is our new progressive thinking. We are not like back in the day where we made kids work. No, we are enlightened and you go to school and that is your job is to be a kid and to learn things that we think are important. <laughs> so, in each of our cultures is what is the concept of, of being old or elderly? Like at what point, what do they do with, with their elders? Did at some point, do you just put them on a boat and shove them into the ocean? And, and... <laughs> you know, my dad keeps threatening, like, I'm just going to wander off in the woods someday. <laughs> I'm like, eh, I kind of believe it. <laughs> I have instructions about how to arrange a gun cleaning accident. <laughs> rather than putting him in a home and it's very disturbing and it has to be me because my sister would flinch and it's all very upsetting it is why do they do this why, why, do, they do, why this? do they do this to us that's my dad my mom is like no you take good care of me don't worry 
worry too much. It's okay. Put me in a home, but a nice home. I'm like, mama. <laughs> so is, is there a Florida in your worlds? <laughs> you should always <laughs> ask that question. <laughs> I mean, grass is not not Florida. <laughs> <laughs> no, grass is it's not. It's a visa, but I think yeah. there's parts of it that are kind of like... I licked all the toads and then jumped on this wagon and <laughs> and rode there, it there, down the hill and crashed into. <laughs> We've sort of talked about like cross cultural communication in this world. So like, are people in Rowena's in my country is occasionally opening up newspapers and seeing like Griasta Man did? <laughs> yes, I think <laughs> so. I think like the idea of like some guy drank all the wine and licked all the snails and then crash his boat into another boat and they both set on fire that's grass for you. to man and again so do people in grass to just like not make it long enough to have to worry about <laughs> i th i think yeah i think to a degree like the idea of like hey you know you didn't you know try to wrestle an alligator so <laughs> you made it to a certain age I think that that might be, you know, I, I think they do revere their elderly in terms of like, hey, you you've been through a lot. You've seen a lot. So I think those are the people who tend the elderly tend to get the jobs of being the ones in those sort of school zones of being like, hey, you want something cool to read? Hey, you want you want to know how numbers work like that tends like you've slowed down and you're not up to as much snail licking and fucking around as you used to be. So <laughs> So maybe just like chill in this square and tell kids useful things that they might want to know. You can learn a lot from old hippies. So. Yeah, yeah. I, th I think true. that's the vibe. Like they'll, they'll be like, okay, like now, now that I've got you know, now that I've calmed down a little, I'll you know, I'll pay attention to the kids. I'll, I'll make some wine. I'll do, I'll do those sort of like longer task projects of like wine making and pickling things and and. <laughs> All that stuff that, that you know, it's not it's, pickling things that aren't my own liver. Yeah, <laughs> it's you know, it's you know still very hippie vibe, but now just being more low key about it. Like, I think that's I think that's what the the elderly and Brie has to do, and then you know, eventually they'll you know they'll pick a day where they go down to the beach, strip down, swim out in the ocean, and don't come back. <laughs> Good. That's, that's nice and disturbing. Glad. I'm glad you fantastic. That. That's good. But like that it is, it is done notes. in the sort of very sort of, like they don't make a big ceremony. Yeah. Like, they don't like, make a big deal. Don't, don't make a fuss. You, just you don't you don't like go around and like nope. make sure you say all your goodbyes. You just go and do it. And people are like, "Have you seen John in a while? I haven't. He must have gone for a swim. Mm -hmm. Like that's the that's the euphemism. He must have gone for a swim." <laughs> That could carry a lot of weight in your writing. Like that could do a lot of work. I like that. Yeah, it's good. Well, Cass, how about you? <laughs> so, I I was thinking about this, and it sent me off sort of a whole other tangent that I'm going to allow myself to wander down. I feel like there's not really much of a concept of retirement because as long as you are still capable of doing something, you should be doing it. Yeah. Um, whether that is work, work, or moving into teaching or something like that. But then I was thinking about how, like, I haven't had the chance to develop a government for this place yet. And so my first instinct thinking about aging was, like, maybe there's a council of elders. But that seemed kind of boring. Um, and councils of elders can get into problems of, like, you know, forgetting what's important to things that are going to happen 50 years from now. And, and I started thinking about a tripartite system of government divided by age, that there's, like, the youth's council of, like, 20 to 40 and then there's a middle council of like 40 to 60. And then there's the elders council of like 60 plus. And you can only serve in one of the three during the course of your lifetime. So you can't like be a lifelong politician. You can devote like one part of your life to that. But you better have another skill to take up the other parts of your life. And when they, they debate amongst themselves and then they debate with each other. And how they make government decisions is like, it's not like one vote is automatically more. It's not like the elders are automatically more powerful. But they have to talk it out. And I think rhetoric is big because I am a big old nerd for rhetoric. No, 
No, I'm not a nerd for rhetoric. I am a slut for rhetoric. I will, <laughs> I will lay back and think of Epizuxis, baby. I love it. So I'm going to bestow this upon my culture and have rhetoric be how their decision-making happens if your words are most impressive. But that was how I got to that point, was by thinking about what do we do with our elders? And some of them govern. Some of them are still working in their jobs and, you know, have to be carried out of their their shop's feet first. Yeah. They keep going. They're, they're <laughs> energizer bunny people. Rhetoric is also their seduction technique. <laughs> I hope so. Oh, God, I hope so. I mean, you combine that with paper. Yeah. That's so it's like you're right? writing stuff out. Oh, he used the nice paper. Oh, oh. Oh, oh my. This really got me going. <laughs> oh. I've composed my doctorate thesis on why we should sleep together. <laughs> yes. That would work on me, so I'm gonna I'm gonna bestow that quality on Fjolinir. I love it. It's great. Soruena. Marshall and I have both said seriously disturbing things. Now it's your turn. <laughs> so I uh I don't know how to follow this. This <laughs> <laughs> good episode, y'all. This is, this is excellent. This is, this is prime so quality I, I, stuff I, I here, think, people. I think in the archipelago, um, like, aging well is, is like a goal. Like, you hope that you have acquired enough money and security and, like, like social political capital among people that you know that at some point you like kind of fade to the background of whatever work you've been doing like maybe you've been working um you own a small spice plantation but you can kind of back away from like the 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 hands-on work and kind of you know do some bookkeeping and start to really just like enjoy life and so the old people are the ones who are like importing the really nice wine and like going to the opera and they kind of have a concept of not full retirement, but like getting to level up to like, yes, I have arrived and I don't have to do boring shit and hard shit that I don't want to anymore because I've done it already. And I'm leaving early today because I'm going to go drink wine on the piazza. And I don't have to explain myself. <laughs> Sounds like a good life. <laughs> I like it, yes. I especially love thinking of like, you know, you're in a shop or something and then all of a sudden the the older lady just walks out. There's no explanation. She just picks up her things and goes. And it's like, "Yep, all right, fair play." <laughs> Martha's got a date. Yeah. So <laughs> So now we get to move into the harder topics. Oh dear. <laughs> well, to so of course, we have the big panel on Don't Be a Fucking Racist. And we've, in this world, we've not really talked about, like, what the racial diversity is. Like, we've sort of taken it as given that between the different cultures in different parts of the world, there will be. But we've not been, we've not really been more specific than that. And, and, and also in crafting a world that is sort of that is asshole light we've you know we've made it we've made a specific point that nobody is is particularly like a colonizer or 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 yeah. goes around planting their boot on on other people's cultures so like that seems to be like a big high concept thing that we've put onto this world and i don't know how much for like we should probably interrogate that further, but how yeah. are we going to interrogate and, you know, and part further? of that was consistent with the geographical layout of the world, that it's kind of like if you dropped a bunch of land masses in a donut on an ocean. And so there's no hard break in a lot of ways between a lot of these spaces. You know, kind of so, like the Mediterranean. <laughs> right. It's like it's, it, there's an element of fluidity between them so that you can, you're going to have differences, but they're going to kind of move one into the other 
um, with less rigidity than, for example, our, and I, I hate this terminology, but I have not heard if there's a better one, are like old world, new world dichotomy, mm-hmm. where you have this, this very marked difference and a long time where people didn't contact each other. Like we don't have a situation where people are not in contact with each other. They're in, you know, from pretty far back and we're in an age of sale and exploration and, and, you know, lots of travel and trade and connections. They're in pretty constant contact with each other. So you aren't having, for one thing, that lack of contact or a situation where one group is advancing at a different technological rate than another group. So it's, it's different in a lot of ways than some of our historical um, antecedents might be for our cultures. Right. There's not, there's not a huge gap. So while like culture A and culture E might be far apart and have never met, A has met B, who has met C, who has met D, who has met E. And, and there's been that flow between everything so that there's, there's no, there's no singular Colombian exchange moment per se, because right. there's no, there's no separation that vast and sudden change that big because of one per, one group meeting another group. Yeah, so I, I feel like we've kind of created a world where a more um, gradual difference between racial identity makes sense and where a, a softer kind of understanding of one another makes sense too. That, you know, you, we've always known about you people and you've known about us and we've known about the people in between us and it's just kind of this big spectrum that we sort of can appreciate that we're a part of and we're geographically like a distinct space in but there's there's no necessarily like hard line differentiating like this is where us ends and you begins for a lot of the spaces that we've defined right i think like in terms of like racial makeup people are able to distinguish okay you're from this continent or like your heritage is from this continent or this part of this continent like that stuff they can discern by looking at each other but I don't know if they necessarily make like they don't make distinctions of like and therefore you're less than human like that's not a thing they do like <laughs> we haven't made that leap we haven't I can made actually that see leap. like some of these cultural things being a bigger problem for some of these people right yeah like i feel like my industrious people do not really understand marshall's people (laughs) like (laughs) what do you mean you just you just you just sort of sat and looked at the sky for what were you charting the clouds were you trying to tell if it was going to rain what was the purpose what were you doing what i don't understand just pretty But why was it pretty? Was there something like, was there a chemical being put in the air? What was going on? By pretty, do you mean useful? Was it useful was it in useful? some way? Was it telling you something? Was there information to be had? Yeah. Like, I feel like that's a, probably a much bigger difference. <laughs> is these I, I definitely think there are cultural and value clashes that yeah. happen a lot. But it's, it is, I think, more based on those cultural differences of like we have we have cultures whose values are violently opposed rather than necess- than it necessarily being a, I think because since everyone's on a relatively equivalent playing field in terms of technology and, and advancement that there is less of a sense of like, Oh, clearly, you know, these people are, are, are dumb savages who don't, you know, there's none of that. Like, because there's no reason to do that. But I think there is definitely a sense of like, these people are a bunch of hedonists who don't understand what, what real, you know, what real work is supposed to be. And clearly they're inferior because they make those choices. I think that's a thing that can happen a lot. Um, And so you'll, I think we can, in, if one was writing in this, that they could come up with a lot of clashes based on that, on that, that kind of racism where it's culturally based rather than just pure appearance based. I'm just thinking how all three of us have like 
water-based cultures in some sense. And so I wonder if there is a clash also between like water-based people and some of the the points on the map we haven't talked about that or well and um Alex's was more she was the, the yes, they were the she step, was kind right? of a, step kind of a deserty steppy yeah deserty steppy people yeah yeah so i wonder if there are clashes there with like water oriented people versus land oriented people i think so i think there's a lot of room for differences in just like i i have defined my worldview in this way and Everything that you are doing makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. And I think that that's like valuable to keep in mind that, um, you know, just be- people can look exactly the same and still manage to define us versus them conflicts in all kinds of ways because people going to people. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, just how often have England and France been at war? And look at those two population sets and tell me what the genetic difference between them is. There's <laughs> my, not a lot. There's not a lot of room. Always the English like crapping on the Irish and actually like writing up stuff about how they look different and they look primitive. And I'm like, y- it's y'all, the same picture. We can't. We can't tell the difference. Hell, you realize the rest of us can't tell the difference. The right? English and like, the Scottish. So I can <laughs> I can kind of see some crap like that happening in our world on occasion where any reasonable sane outsider would be like I you guys mostly look alike. Um but one group making up things about another group's appearances that are actually the whole thing's really more about ideological differences but they assign these these yeah. weird trappings of of you know they they they're all cheaters and they look like bats and you're like i don't see it i don't <laughs> i don't get it yeah i could definitely see but that okay. happening either with like different ar- islands in your archipelago rowena or like up river down river in in mine that yeah I, c- I could see that like everyone like like there's like there's that that hillbilly island that everyone's yeah. kind of like, oh them. <laughs> it's like it's the backwater island, which I, you know I can hear banjos, but because <laughs> you definitely have that though, don't you? Like within within culture, like I always joke about how. So I, I grew up in Indiana, and it's like we all make fun of Southern Indiana, and like they all make fun of Kentucky, and I'm like, who does Kentucky make fun of? It has to be someone because we just all just like Alabama, I think. Probably, but it's just yeah. it's funny because anyone out to the Midwest is like you're all a bunch of hicks, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I was born on the border county between Virginia and West Virginia. Let me tell you about. There's no actual difference between you, but we're we're gonna act like there is. <laughs> yeah. People on that side of the mountain. I mean, hell, just like. I'm thinking about just the stupid rivalry our high school had with the high school in the next town because yeah which we were both like the rich snotty east side of Syracuse schools so it's not like you know there it's was drawing a real thin line real thin line <laughs> but yet yet it was drawn like I think like people will will people and always find a stupid excuse to draw that thin line and and you know like be mad at the person on the other side of the line because they're on the other side of the line but but we i mean to an extent we've designed this world where that attitude tends to be a little bit lower than everybody else and they're because we, we've made it an asshole light world but yes. like well and i do less think of, that less of a motivating factor less of a motivating factor yes yeah People... and i think that makes sense for a world that is so interconnected because they're, they're you know it's sort of proven the more exposure you have to other cultures the more likely you are to be tolerant accepting of other cultures uh, i'm thinking about the ancient mediterranean and how it might be like well yeah those weirdos to the west are barbarians and those weirdos to the east are um profligate but you know We'll trade with them both, sure. Find their money spins. <laughs> the spices are really tasty, so you know, yeah, fine. it's really good stuff. <laughs> and I think I think there is a lot of it. Like they think, you know, they might think the rest of the world weirdos who don't get it, but you but... know, 
not worth gold. murdering them over. Yeah, they right. got gold. They're <laughs> weird, but being weird's not a crime. Yeah. So. <laughs> Not since so 1261 we're... in my area. Then it was, but <laughs> brief period. We negotiated our way out of it. So we um, are coming up on our hour or maybe even over our hour, but way I definitely over. want to hear about Cass's disability um, inclusion and accommodation for the stilt houses. I've been thinking about this for the last hour um, and, and sort of for, for disability in general, because I'm thinking this is a culture that's based on industriousness and it would be really easy to go the way of if you are disabled or if you lose ability, you lose value. But that's a boring choice. And so instead I'm choosing that accommodation becomes a very big thing, like building mechanisms that help, building a hoist to get people up into the the houses, building prosthetics and stuff, um, turning the industriousness toward that use making sure that everyone can and should participate equally in society. I think I, like I can root that. that in their ethos that like you exist here, therefore you have value and you will give, you will give value back. <laughs> right. Well, we, we don't waste good. And nope. yeah, so I, I think they're going to, I think they're going to build things. I think they'll have some you know mechanisms and stuff for, for helping different kinds of disability integrate into the, into the world. I think they like to make things. So they'll make make stuff. I think Griasta coming at it from a different point of view has a similar mindset. But there it's mm. like you know, oh you wouldn't be able to participate in this or have a good time with us? Well that's no fun. We, you know we need to come up with a way that you can have as much of a good time as the rest of us. So the idea of like, you know, yeah, we, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna figure it out. We'll, we'll find solutions to make sure that everybody has an equally good time because else, else if you're over there not having fun because of this, then we're not having fun. It's amazing how you can come to a very similar solution from two different ideologies. <laughs> <laughs> and and make the not boring choice in two very different ways. Yeah. And I think I'm going to make it from a third way, which is that a lot of the um, culture and industry that's that's come out of the islands is very community-based. So, like, if you're going to have a spice plantation, you have a core group of people who are working it. Or if you were going to have a fishing operation, you have a core group of people. So there's a lot of community. And so just the idea is that you include everyone within the community so when you have some random challenge come up like monsoon season comes early or the bird migration is late or frederick loses an arm you figure out a way to make it work and to survive together because you don't really have an option kind of in an earlier society and they've just taken that with them and kind of rolled that in and developed it and they're also um, very invested in the arts and I think I said particularly like music so if if you have an artistic talent they are very happy to encourage and develop that so there are other ways to be successful in the society aside from just producing you know this many barrels of fish down at the fish packing plant today like if you are if you are musically gifted or an artist or a storyteller or whatever they're kind of like okay so we can work with that stick with me here so they they just want to see everyone kind of like included and find their talent and their niche and fit them into their community in some way i like this i like that we have all three come up with different reasons for having this answer based on <laughs> The culture and and like for me it makes sense my people don't have as much in the way of natural resources so they do have to get as much out of their people as they can um but it's also occurring to me that you know with what we were saying about paper earlier and they're probably a very tactile culture and so accommodations for the deaf and the blind i think would be easier for them to invent because they're so used to those sorts of things to communicating in in a tactile way and so i don't know they probably have not quite braille but maybe there's something that they can develop that helps with that and they like touching things and they like making things yeah i like that i like that a lot yeah all right so <laughs> i feel like we've caught ourselves up we did um to 
to moving ahead in in wherever we go next um <laughs> with a more fleshed out world and um if you are not already on our discord now would be a great time to pop in there and tell us what you think about what we've created and other ideas that you might have about this crazy world that we've come up with and how you might address some of these different ideas Hi you, thanks for listening to this episode of World Building for Masochists and letting us help you overcomplicate your writing life. Our next episode goes up on November 25th, where we'll be joined by Anna Stevens to talk about villains and building the dark side into your worlds. We're going to get to be evil in this one. We really hope you liked this episode. If you did, please do take a minute to tell a friend, shout about us on the internet, or leave a review on iTunes. If you've got questions or you just want to tell us how cute we are, there's a number of ways to contact us. We're on Twitter at, at WorldBuildCast, and our email is WorldBuildCast at gmail.com. We also have a Discord chat room linked in the About the Show page of our website if you want to come chat with us and other fans of the podcast. We'd love for you to share the worlds you're making and help us all build until it hurts.